Welcome to Enneagram-ish, where we talk honestly about the Enneagram, growth, and the ugly, messy, wonderful art of living. My name is Valentine, and I'll be your host. Welcome back, friends, to episode 8, and today's interview is with an Enneagram 7. Aptly known as the enthusiast, sevens are optimistic, quick-thinking, flexible, and charming. They are always sort of scanning the horizon for the next cool, fun thing to do because they have this hunger for stimulating experiences, and they like to keep their options open. On the flip side, sevens can be prone to superficiality and can have a real difficulty sitting in negativity or in darker emotions. It can also be hard for sevens to focus on just a few things. Today, I'm joined by my friend Anya for a conversation that was really fun. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Anya. Hi, Valentine. Thanks for doing this. I'm super excited to chat with you. I'm super excited. I'm nervous, but it's going to be fun, I guess. I think so. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So for context, you and I met about four years ago actually to the day yeah Um, we were neighbors and what I really like about you Anya is that you're really fun you're really great to be around but I also really like how thoughtful you are and how much you want to be a better person like you're always trying to learn more and be better and I really appreciate that about you oh thank you Yeah. Um, And for this podcast, you are a seven. And I'm really excited to dig into that. But you're also not super familiar with the Enneagram. Yeah. Which makes me so excited because I just I don't want this to be like an echo chamber where I'm just talking to people who are as excited and and into it as I am. So I'm just (laughs) really looking forward to this conversation. I'm too. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how you first learned about the Enneagram, um, what pieces of it felt true or familiar, and sort of just the experience of reading something that was supposed to be about you. Mm -hmm. Sure. So the first time I heard about the Enneagram was, I think we were at your apartment or at mine, I can't remember. And you basically threw that book at me and were like, hey, do that test. And I'm like, what test is it? Doesn't matter, just do it. Answer the questions, okay? So I did do the test. Um, and I got type 7. Uh, and I did read the description, but it wasn't until four years later, just like a few weeks ago, um, when you told me about your podcast and I listened to the episodes and you told me you wanted me to be a part of it, um, that I read it again And that was the first time I really, truly understood how big like this whole Enneagram thing is and how accurate the descriptions are and how much one person can learn out of it about herself or about people they are close to and they know their type. Um, So the last few days, because of the podcast, but I read a lot about my type and about 
other types and that was super interesting and um I didn't get that four years ago. Maybe because it wasn't my intention to learn something of it. It was yours. <laughs> um, yeah, but but it's super interesting. And, and it's like when you read those descriptions about your type, like you're shocked how accurate that is. Like there are examples and you feel like, oh, they are just describing a part of my life that just happened to me like two weeks ago or something so now I'm a fan (laughs) (laughs) so like what pieces of the seven felt most accurate to you the thing or the example that felt most accurate to me was like that seven always need to have options and can't decide or maybe not can't decide but don't want to decide um, on what to do but to get the best of everything and to do everything that's possible like for example and that was the example also mentioned um in the type description if sevens go on holiday and that's so accurate for me um they they don't go to one city and stay there at the beach for whole holiday uh, and read books or something they want to see everything there's possible to see in the country they are or on the continent they are so every time I go on holiday, if it's a bigger one and I have a little of time, um, I'm going backpacking and I never stay at one place longer than two or maximum three nights um, because we want to experience so much and want to have fun uh, at different places and always seek for excitement. So that fit 100%, I guess. I love that. because. When I am around sevens, I actually have a physical reaction in my body. Like I feel like I've been electrocuted. Like I'm, I'm so excited and energetic and I feel like kind of out of control. And it's, it's so hard to replicate that in the rest of my life. And what I, what I like about sevens is that sevens will find the magic, right? They'll find the magic in like even the small things. Yeah. And I remember. It was soon after we got to Amsterdam and we went to the beach with one other person. And I remember this very clearly because we were, you know, we were sitting on the beach, we were chatting. And then the other person was like, Hey, do you guys want to like try this thing I've been doing? (laughs) And we were like, okay, what's that? And he said, okay, so Valentine, you just like go on the ground and I don't have a great body intelligence. (laughs) And so I remember he just kind of, I kind of flopped onto the ground and I remember you laughed and I was like, oh, I guess that wasn't what I was supposed to do. And then I was like, you know what, you do it, do it with Anya, because I don't get it. And then, like, somehow, you two started doing this, like, weird, acrobatic, silent movement that he was guiding with very few words. And it was, like, so fluid and, like, so, like, (laughs) it was so bizarre and, like, so beautiful. And I was so, like, shocked. Like, how are you guys doing this? You're not speaking. What's happening? I was like, (laughs) wow. I remember that moment. And I remember being, like, so happy to watch it. And you guys are both sevens. Um. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I feel like there's a real body intelligence to that, to your type. Yeah. But like one thing that they say about sevens is that sevens are super optimistic, that they really want to see the good in people or in situations. Is that, is that true for you? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm probably the most optimistic person I know. Um, I'm excited about everywhere I go. Like. 
if it's a concert or it's a birthday party or, or whatever, I'm just super happy to have the opportunity to go there. And I always value what people do for making it a good experience for everyone. Like even if, for example, we're at a restaurant and the food is not super good, then I decide to be happy about how nice people are or how nice the decorations are. Like I really think that you... As long as you're healthy, you have the power to make a moment good uh, and to value it and to be like, okay, I now I have the opportunity to decide if this is a nice evening, even though the food isn't the best, or I'm just going to be super upset about the food all night and don't enjoy my time. And I prefer to enjoy my time. <laughs> and I think that's possible. Um I too think that it's really important to know that I all only think like that for people that are healthy and that live in a stable environment. And for me, thankfully, that's the case. Um, so I do think that I always will have the possibility to have a good life, even though I know there are bad things happening, probably. <laughs> um, and, and that gives me a lot of strength to be able to decide to have a good time and to have a good future. That's really interesting that you sort of feel that being happy is a choice, right? And I'm curious, like, what happens in that exact moment where it's like, ah, the food's cold? Like, do you, is it conscious? Or is it just like, oh, but this is, you know, but this is great. Yeah. Mm, I just try not to think about the bad things. I try to focus on the good. And that's easier for me than for other people, apparently. So, like, decoration in a restaurant isn't super important, of course. But I can, like, focus on that. Then if the one important thing doesn't work out, then, okay, let's let's stick to the other one. Okay. So it's kind of, kind of conscious. A conscious choice, eh? Yeah, I guess. Um. Yeah. So I was thinking the other day about sevens and about how sometimes they do things that like as a six feel super reckless. Yeah. Like I remember you told me this story about your train ride in Central Asia. I don't remember the country. Yeah. Could you tell me about this? Can you tell me the story? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, we, me and a friend of mine, we were in Kazakhstan. And um, we did a few pretty long train rides. Like it's a huge country and we needed to go from place A to place B. So we did a train ride overnight and over day. I think it took like 20 hours or something. And we did that before with two other trains. So it took 12 hours or something. And there was always food on those trains. <laughs> uh, like there were people going around and yeah, you could buy food from them. So we were thinking that would happen in the in the train who takes 20 hours as well. Um, so we were there, didn't bring any food, which of course was clever, but that's just what happened. Um, and then we noticed, okay, this is an old train. <laughs> there wasn't any food near. Like there wasn't a food wag wagon and it didn't, like the train did stop in different cities, but you didn't have the chance to go out because they didn't open the door. About which they did before on the other trains. <laughs> yeah. So 
we were super anxious about dying out of hunger. <laughs> um, and yeah, we were sitting in our like train room with two other women from Kazakhstan. And we don't speak Kazakh or Russian um, and they don't speak English and other languages we are able to speak. And I don't know if they knew that we don't have food or if they are just super polite. Kazakh people are like, it's crazy. They are so super nice. And they just kept on offering us food. And it was so super nice. They were just like, they weren't talking. They weren't saying one word. They just gave us their bread and didn't say anything. And we we couldn't talk to them either. So we just said thank you on, on Russian. Like, ah, I can't remember. Um, uh, and it was so super nice from them. And then there were other people coming and giving us food. <laughs> so that was super nice. Yeah, it was great. It was a great time and it was a great experience with how helpful people can be. And I think that's the the thing that I that I feel is important. That would yeah, that would make me super nervous too. I probably would have done a ton of research beforehand. <laughs> but it's like I like the fact that there was a real opportunity yeah for community and for like people being like hey like I want to take care of you I want to yeah. see what I have and I think that's something sevens can find because they are always looking for like that new interesting cool thing right yeah that might be and of course because we don't do a lot of research beforehand <laughs> so we are not scared of taking risks right so that's also why we, we did that acrobatic thing at the beach I don't have a high body intelligence too, so I just tried. Um, so that's also why we get in those situations in the first place, because we are not afraid of taking risks or of what could happen, and we just do. And then if we are lucky, good experience come out of that. I was lucky most of the times in my life for now, but that can go wrong, of course, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, so it sounds like your your life is is pretty different and interesting. So I'm just curious, are you very similar to the people that you grew up with? Like, have you had a similar life to the people around you? I know if you're from not a terribly big city in Germany. No, yeah. But could you tell us a little more about that? Sure. Um, so I grew up in the neighborhood with like different families and different um, kids in my age. So all my closest friends up until I got like 12 or something were living super close to me. Like you could walk there by in two minutes. And we grew up pretty similarly. Like we both had two parents and they worked and we were living in a house and most of us had a garden. And so it was pretty homo... Uh, homogenic is that a word homogenous homogenous um yeah and I'm still friends with most of the people um and like I never had the feeling that I don't fit in I always was like a member of a group and I felt comfortable in that and that still is the case but if I look at the life of my friends now and my life it's just it's different. Like most of my friends, I'm still super close with the ones I had in high school um, and the ones I had earlier than that. And most of them still live in the city we grew up. 
and have the jobs they always wanted to do or the jobs their parents do. So that's what they knew and that's what they started and are just like super comfortable in the bubble we grew in, which makes sense because it's a nice bubble, right? Um, and I'm not. Like as soon as I finished high school, I was like, okay, and now I want to leave. I want to leave the city. I want to make new experiences. I want to learn more than this small environment and that bubble can teach me. And I did that and it never stopped. Like since then, since I have the opportunity to do what I want and to make those big decisions, which I can't make when I'm a 10-year-old, right? Um, I did it and I keep on moving and I keep on making new friendships and getting to learn new things and getting to learn new places. And it feels like I can't stop making experiences, big and new experiences. I always seek for change and that's something my friends, most of my friends don't like can't understand it's just they are super fine with their life because it is a fine life and I need those options and I need change to feel like I can grow and I can be happy I remember I was I was talking to one of your childhood friends when I visited you and I asked her like oh do you think you'll ever leave and I remember she said she kind of laughed and she said no like I think I'll stay here until I die yeah <laughs> and I remember being like, that doesn't even sound like Anya. Like what? <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I think what's great about sevens is that even though they are sort of always looking for that next new thing, they also really care about their friends, right? They care yeah. about their friendships. They care about maintaining them because it can be, it can be hard if you've had really different experiences recently. So I think that that's a really valuable thing about sevens. Um, so speaking about friends. Because you have this energy about you, right? Because you have this, this feeling of like, oh my God, here's Anya. Do you feel like your friends kind of expect you to like bring the party or to like bring the fun all the time? And does that feel okay? Like, does that feel good or does it feel like work? Mm, yeah, most of the times I do feel like they expect that from me. It's not like they can't have fun without me, but they... Yeah, they do look at me if it's about what are we going to do next and are we having fun and can we really like go on the table and dance now? Um, yeah, that happens. Like it depends on in which, in which group I am in because I'm not an extrovert in any group. Like I need to feel very comfortable with the people I know to be fully myself. Um, but if I am, yeah, that absolutely happens. And most of the time, I'm super fine with it because I like excitement and I like having fun. And I most of the times, I just need to be myself to bring up new ideas and to be loud and <laughs> to dance and listen to music and stuff. But of course, there are times I'm in a bad mood too and I'm tired or I just don't feel like talking and... And then it's, it can be annoying because then I have the feeling that if I'm not motivated, no one really is because then everybody's like, oh, okay, 
So maybe it's not a good idea if Anya doesn't feel like it's fun. I'm not sure if that really is the case, but that's what it feels like for me. So uh, I tend to switch in that role, even if I'm, I don't want to, because I feel like it's better for the group. I'm not sure if that's the case, but yeah. Yeah. So what, ha yeah. So speaking of times when you're tired or whatever, right. Because your friends are important to you. What happens when your friend is going through a tough time? Like they're really struggling. How do you relate to them? Mm, yeah. So we were talking about how sevens tend to see the good in life and seek for positive emotions and positive um, stuff. So I tend to cheer them up. Like I want to feel them better and I want them to feel like to focus on positive things and to focus on the future, which probably will be brighter than what they are feeling in the very moment they are sad. So, yeah, I'm not the kind of person who goes through what happened and what made them sad and to analyze how they are feeling. I can do that, but if they let me, I would rather focus on the good and make them laugh and be like, okay, that's super shitty and you have all the right to be super sad, but remember the time we had fun. <laughs> or just be like, okay, in two weeks it's going to be better and focus on what we are going to do then. And um, you and I were talking about that like two days ago and I think like it may be that I'm afraid that they won't see the positive again if no one shows them. Because I'm not used to not being optimistic. So if someone's super sad, I'm scared because I feel like, why can't you be optimistic now, right now? And yeah, so I don't like people being sad. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? Because if, if your worldview is that the best things is for like me to be happy, then the people I love, I want them to be happy too, right? And I want them to see the good things. Yeah. And I want to help them get there. So that makes sense. Do your friends respond well to that strategy? Yeah, most of the times they do. Like if I talk to a friend and they're going through a hard time and I get the feeling that it's okay to cheer them up and to talk about other things because if you're like sad and you're going through a hard time sometimes you just want to talk about that right and you want to focus on your sadness and that's okay and I can do that but if I get the feeling they are fine with being cheered up and with talking about fun stuff and old times and the good the future might bring um, then after those conversations I feel like they are better now like they are more hopeful now and they are yeah they laughed and they had a good time although they were crying so much before of course I don't know what happens as soon as I end the conversation like as soon as I leave or as soon as we end the talk um, so I don't know if that really works for them in long term but for that very moment I do feel like it's fine so then what happens when you're having a tough time do you like need somebody to cheer you up or what happens mm, so most of the times when I'm having a bad time um I'm usually just 
sad and I'm super sad and I give myself the time to be sad. For example, I got a, it wasn't even a bad grade. It wasn't just a good grade for myself. For my bachelor thesis, like the last thing you do before, before getting your bachelor. And I worked on that so long, like for four or five months and I invested so much and I was just like, super sure <laughs> that is the best grade you can get um and then it wasn't and I was so sad because I was feeling like I invested so much and this bachelor was very very important for me because I worked very hard for that and I wanted to do this for such a long time and I was just like okay I'm gonna lay on this couch now and just be miserable as long as I want to and after that I'm gonna be fine again so if I'm being sad, I just, I feel like I feel it very intense and very strong and maybe even longer like the average people, but I don't know. Um, but after I go through it and I work through it, maybe I'm fine again. So, but that's because I let myself focus on the sadness, I guess. I think it's so interesting that there's a difference between how you treat yourself and how you treat your friends. And I wonder if it isn't related to, you know, the sadness is temporary. Like you just know it in your soul that it's temporary. Yeah. But your friend might not, right? And so you can't let them sort of dwell on that in that place because you want them to get out of it because they might not know that it's temporary. Yeah, I think that's the case, yeah. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I really didn't know that about you. So thanks for sharing. Um, <laughs> so then let me ask you this. Sevens are the bright side guys. They want to always look at the bright side. But what happens when you have to have a conflict with somebody that you care about? Like what happens in those instances? Yeah, oh my God. I'm so bad at having conflicts. I just start crying then. <laughs> and yeah like as soon as I get the feeling like there's a fight in the air or this discussion is starting to get into a fight um or a conflict i I get super nervous and i yeah actually really immediately start crying <laughs> because I'm so overwhelmed by the uh, by the situation and I don't feel secure anymore I don't feel comfortable anymore and I have the feeling like I lose the person I'm fighting with, which doesn't make sense because you can have fights about super small things, right? Like, why didn't you go to the groceries? <laughs> and then the person says, you didn't tell me to. And then I start crying. <laughs> Maybe it's not like that, but it's really on a on a small level. <laughs> it doesn't need a lot for me to to feel like there's a fight or there's a conflict. And other people sometimes are like, Anya, there isn't a conflict. It's just a discussion. And I'm like, oh God, this is the worst nightmare. <laughs> just can we be fine again? Can we be friends again? I don't like that. <laughs> and I'm so scared of losing the other person or that it's not going to be fine again. And yeah, I'm super bad at handling this kind of stuff. It's so interesting because... We just said that your general orientation yeah. is like, it's going to be fine. And suddenly when it comes to the people in your life, basically, I guess it's the idea of, whereas generally you're always choosing to be happy, right? 
And a conflict is like you're choosing not to be happy. You're actually choosing to go further yeah. and further <laughs> into like this difficult thing. <laughs> and then that like messes up your kind of your worldview, right? It shakes it up. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good explanation. Yeah. If you're, if you're in a conflict, you basically choose to be in a conflict right now and be in a bad place. And I don't like choosing that. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I love that because not like some people really don't think it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you said in the beginning that I want to come back to, because I, I find it really interesting was this idea of your options should always be plentiful. Like you should have options and that makes you feel yeah. good. Can you tell me more about that? Mm, sure. So I get super nervous as soon as I notice that it's not in my power to decide anymore. Like, I really don't have an idea of how my future looks like, which isn't the average, I guess, because I'm 20, getting 27 now, and most people by 27 have an idea of how they want to live, and I don't, not at all. Um, and I don't want others to make this decision. Like, although I don't have an idea, I'm not ready for others giving me like their ideas and telling me how to hey but that would be a good life for you then I'm just like no <laughs> and maybe but maybe not and just let myself decide yeah like that's also why I moved so much I guess because I don't I'm not sure how I want to live my life and I really wanted to try out a lot and so I, I wanted to try out different places and different cities which I did and I never really found like the peace I hoped for and I guess that's because I just I don't know I, I probably can learn it but by now I can't be happy in one place because living in one place means that you're taking away options to live in other places for the moment um, and that's what's hard for me to accept yeah because if your if your freedom is in movement but you also love people who might not be moving yeah <laughs> what do you do that's yeah but it's funny because some people really get paralyzed when there's too much options they're like I don't know what to yeah. do this is like this is really uncomfortable but for you it makes yeah. you feel like you can breathe easier yeah absolutely interesting yeah I'm not that way so that's that's, <laughs> that's so that's that's really interesting. Hmm. So how I mean, how do you reconcile that? Because there must be something you're giving up, right? In always moving. Yeah. Something that you like, something that you value. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. It's like it, sometimes it feels like an addiction. Like I just have to. <laughs> so and I know because in every city I lived in I made good experiences which is of course like I know I'm lucky that it turned out that way but that's what gives me hope or strength or I really just feel like the other city is going to be fine too and it's going to be fine too and I'm going to meet new people and I'm going to find a new spot that's fun and 
yeah and and make new experiences like in every city i lived in i found friends that taught me so much and that were different than the friends i knew from home and didn't come out of the bubble i know from home and that was interesting and i have like my closest friends are so much different from how the friends of my childhood look like and i really want to meet as much as different people as possible and to learn from them and that's not possible if i stay at one place so i'm yeah i'm ready to give something up for making new experiences i love that okay so one of the things that happens to sevens when they're stressed is that they can sometimes go to one they can go to type one and begin to show some of the characteristics of that type right so can you tell me a little bit about what happens to you when you're stressed out yeah <laughs> so i'm usually not a perfectionist at all like i'm more like the 80% type of person um which is good for most of the things i do but as soon as i'm nervous and i'm stressed i need everything to be fine and to be planned out and i need to know what which is the next step to take and what are we going to do then and what's happening so for example i just moved to wurzburg with my boyfriend and we had a lot of time to actually move like we had the we had the new flat two months before we had to be in the city and we didn't have to be out of the old flat at a specific time so we had two months time actually to get the boxes from a to b and to buy new furniture and stuff and i needed it to be like it didn't happen but <laughs> i needed it to be done in one weekend like I just wanted to know what when are the boxes gonna be there and who's gonna take care of them and then we need to bring the furniture in the flat and to build it together and yeah and, and to just not sleep so that every picture is on the wall that it's supposed to be and that we just can start living then. I really that's absolutely not the way I usually live. Yeah, I'm usually pretty like relaxed and don't feel like stressing about stuff if it's not necessary. And in that case, it wasn't, but I needed it to be done. And, um, and I felt like we don't have time, although we did. And yeah, so I guess that's an example for how as soon as I get stressed, I feel the need to control the situation, which I usually don't, or at least not that strong. And do you often notice when you're going into that mode? Yeah. Yeah, I do know that, but I can't change it. And I don't feel like changing it because if I'm stressed, I feel like I'm the only person who gets the situation right now. And I know I'm a little harsh, but you don't get how important it is. <laughs> so we need to do that now. Yeah, I don't think pretty rational. <laughs> If I'm being stressed, I guess. No, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like if you feel like these things need to happen and I'm the only one who's taking charge of it, then I don't need to change. This is the correct yeah. way for me to behave right now. Yeah. Wow. Anya, I feel like I've learned so much today. Oh, 
that's nice to hear. This is great. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. When I read about type sevens, it's really hard for me to think of them as real because mm-hmm. I can't imagine somebody who just wants to have fun. Like that's unthinkable <laughs> for me. For me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What's the catch? <laughs> and so I really appreciate this conversation for giving me like more depth, right? And like helping me understand a little bit more about you as a person, of course. I'm happy to know more about you, but also like about how this type thinks about things. Yeah. So thank you for that. You are welcome. <laughs> so the last thing I want to know is tell me something that you have recently watched, read, or listened to that you've really enjoyed. Yeah. So as you know, I do read a lot also because it's part of my profession. And I did read a great book. It's called A Thousand Splendid Sons from Khaled Hosseini. Uh, he's an author from Afghanistan. And this book is about two women who lived in Afghanistan. You, you get to learn a lot about how people who live there or who lived there, um, through how much they had to go and especially women, like how hard life there is. And it's super interesting. He's a great author. And just now it's super interesting to know and to learn more about that country all over the media again. And this book doesn't explain like, everything about the country of course but you get a feeling of what has been done to those people and is still being done and it's a great book i love that book that's one of my favorite books of his actually ah. yeah all right maybe you can explain it better no. <laughs> <laughs> no i have to yeah i have to thank you so much for for your generosity and for your time i really I really appreciate it, Anya. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Enneagram-ish with me, Valentine. Our logo was designed by the fabulous Aya Yacoub. And our audio engineer is the phenomenal Frank Ogetto, who also created our theme song. If you're liking what you're hearing, please like and subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us on our Instagram page at Enneagram underscore ish. If you've got the time, consider leaving us a comment on Apple Podcasts because feedback is queen. Thanks again.